0: is, A Pagan Widow Gets It Right. A pagan widow gets it right. And we're going to be in the book of Ruth this morning. You can turn there whenever you you want to. Um, if you have your Bibles, the scriptures are up on the screen. But if any of you know me even relatively well, you probably have heard me say I'm not much of a movie watcher. It's, it's not my thing. I can, but it's, it's not something I would necessarily seek out but I've certainly watched enough movies to to learn that a good one has this main story. It's got the main story, but it also has sub stories that are built within that movie as well, and they're unfolding and And there might be some great tension and and some dramatic action conflict that's going on in the main story. And then in these little um, sub-stories, if you will, it might be one of goodness and and, and a, a love story built into it. And so it's a story within a story. And that's kind of what the book of Judges and the book of Ruth are like. You've got the book of Judges, which we learned about last week, being a dark time in the nation of Israel's history as, as the nation allowed themselves to, to be... Following after other gods and to have this spiritual and moral darkness. We learned last week that within the chapters of Judges that we can read some of the most graphic and violent and disturbing scenes in all of Scripture. And it it just shows the depravity of humanity in a big screen fashion. It's during that time of the Judges in the days of that deep national, moral, and spiritual decline, a time where depravity of humankind has once again reared its ugly head, it is at the same time that the story of Ruth is set. A story of a pagan who gets it right. The book of Ruth is like a, fresh breath of air within the stench of the cesspool of humanity's depravity. But it was written for even greater reasons than to just provide a story to entertain or to give us the warm fuzzies. Through the book of Ruth, God shows us in spite of the depravity of humanity, the depths and the bleakness of our surroundings, that he still uses choice instruments, his unique and lovely vessels, to bring us reminders of his presence and his care. The story of Ruth is a story of God's providence and provision in the lives of all who will trust in him and follow his ways. The book of Ruth is about hope. So, hopefully, you've had the opportunity to read the book of Ruth. But for those of you that maybe haven't, let me set the story up for you this morning. And it's certainly a story that is worth retelling. And so, you have a man named Elimelech. So, he and his wife, Naomi, along with their two sons, Milan and Kilion, leave their hometown in Bethlehem due to a famine. They don't sell the home places. They plan to come back after the famine has passed. But they move on in the meantime and settle in a foreign land in Moab. There's food there. And sometime after their arrival, Naomi's husband dies. The two sons go on to marry Moabite women. One's wife's name is Orpah. The other one is named Ruth. The Bible then tells us about 10 years after they got married, both sons die. Scripture doesn't tell us how. But being a, a wife in Naomi, having lost her husband, now her two sons, she faced some devastating loss. This kind of loss would be incredible for any woman to bear, regardless of when it happened, what time period it occurred in. Being a wife and a mother of two sons myself, I can't even imagine suffering that kind of loss. But at Naomi's time, it put a widow in a dire economic situation as well. And due to this dire economic situation, Naomi decides to leave Moab and return to her homeland. So Naomi tells her two daughters-in-law, go back to your families. You're young enough to marry again. Go home to your families. Stay here in Moab. One does decide to return to her family. The other says these words, though, which demonstrate true devotion recorded for us in Ruth chapter 1, starting with verse 16. But before we read that, let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word about people living real life. You also show yourself as a real God who is intimately involved in our lives. And so, Lord, as we hear the story of Ruth and how you worked and moved, Lord, may it encourage us to know that you're the same God today. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Ruth chapter 1, starting with verse 16. It says, but Ruth replied, this is in response to Naomi saying, go home. Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And you could see, certainly hear those words being spoken between a husband or a wife, but this was a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. And I think this is great encouragement because it kind of just puts all those horrible mother-in-law jokes aside. Because Ruth had developed this deep devotion for her mother-in-law and also for her mother-in-law's God. She was determined to care for Naomi. She was determined to serve her and through serving her, serve her God. And the rest of the story will show how God did bless her for that. But I want to get ahead of myself. So, upon Ruth's declaration... Naomi and she set out for Bethlehem. Scripture tells us that with their arrival, though, the whole town was stirred. And I think this was for two reasons. First, Naomi arrives with a foreigner. Now, at this time in Israelite history, it's not that it would be forbidden for the Israelites to have a relationship with anybody from Moab, but it certainly encouraged. In fact, it would have been discouraged. It would have been as if Naomi had invited some back to her hometown who was on the other side of the tracks. Just didn't do that. I think the second reason why it caused such a stir in the community was that Naomi came back not only 10 years later or more, probably about 12 years later, but she came back aged. Stress can do that. You know, I thought about that as I was reading it and the reaction of the ladies at community and I thought about a time not that long ago that I had a, a meeting with some ministers and there was probably about 18 of us or so and there's always a time ahead of time to have a cup of coffee or whatever visit catch up how are things going and and this particular meeting took in some of the district officials as well as some of the pastors from the northeast section and I was greeted by one of the uh, pastors, I won't say where they were located from, one of the pastors, he said, wow, you've, you've great a lot. And I thought, well, thank you very much. You know, you don't know what I've walked through completely anyway in the last, you know, nine months. I thought, you know, and this is coming from somebody who was like completely gray and you're telling me, wow, you've great. I thought, you know what? Just was kind of rude <laughs> just kind of rude and people can be blunt and tactless like that of course we probably have all done that from time to time but people can be that way no matter what generation and so this local the local ladies as naomi and, and ruth come were saying in the town square can this be naomi Naomi. I mean, she suffered the loss of her husband and her two sons in a very short time period. The grief she had experienced certainly would have taken its toll, and she just made this incredibly long journey on foot back from Moab. I highly doubt she had time to freshen up much. And the local ladies are declaring in the town square, is this Naomi? Can it be Naomi doesn't bother to put on the face. She looks some square in the eye and states, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty God has made my life very bitter. Naomi's just being real. Honest, transparent. Her grief and loss were still fresh. And although Naomi temporarily felt bitterness... This is about to change. Not the loss that she suffered. That was certainly real. But rather her perspective. Was about to change. Now who has discovered in their life. That bad things happen to good people. They do. But I hope you have also experienced. That even in the bad things. God's still working. Admittedly it can sometimes be hard in the moment to see it. Sometimes people in these difficult and trying situations, when bad things have happened, they experience some bitterness for a while. they trying to process what's happened. That's just being real. Others refuse to move forward. They get stuck. Some choose to sit and wait for a miracle from God. Quite frankly, sometimes situations exactly need that. They need a miracle from God. And God's certainly still a God of miracles. But he also directs our everyday, often without us even being aware of it. See, there's no miracles in the book of Ruth. You won't find any there. But God was certainly involved. At this time in Israelite history, there was a provision for those who had fallen upon hard times. When the wheat and the barley was ready to harvest, the reapers hired would go out into the fields and they'd cut the stalks and they'd tie them into bundles. Israelite law demanded that the corners of the fields couldn't be harvested. In addition, any grain that was dropped on the ground was for the poor. And so the pork could go around the edges of the field and they could glean or pick the wheat. They could also grab anything that had fallen on the ground that would be permitted for them. And Naomi and Ruth certainly would have fallen into the socioeconomic group that, that they would have had been permitted to glean. Ruth, in her devotion and her care for Naomi, determined that that's what she was going to do. She was going to go to work. She was going to roll up her sleeves, so to speak. And with Naomi's blessing, Ruth headed off to gather grain. Ruth chapter 2, verse 3 tells us this. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. And as it happened. It kind of implies a coincidence to some. But I don't necessarily believe in coincidences. I think they're God incidences. And so maybe you've looked back in in your life. And you saw God's hand at work in a as it happened. Maybe it was a door it opened for you. Maybe an opportunity presented itself. Maybe it was through a relationship or a friendship that was made. The it happened for Ruth was that she found herself in Boaz's field. Who happened to be a relative by marriage. And this and as it happened was going to be a door. It was part of God's plan unfolding. Now Bethlehem was like many small towns, much like ours. Someone new moves in, and everybody knows about it. Kind of like the gals in the uh, town square, you know, taking note somebody is with Naomi here. Now, people might not know what the newcomer looks like, but no question about it, people know that somebody new has arrived. And so when Boaz happens to arrive in Bethlehem to his field where Ruth is gleaning, she catches his eye. She's new. So he inquires of his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? His foreman informs him that this young woman is the young woman from Moab. The one who came back with Naomi. It's almost like how he's saying it. It's like, well, you know that there was somebody new in town. Well, that's the per new person in town. Her name is Naomi. Well, again, obviously Ruth caught it. And Boaz doesn't waste any time in speaking to her. The second chapter and verse 8 says this. Boaz went over to, and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter. The use of daughter here indicates that she was considerably younger than he was. He said, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I've warned the young man not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Boaz is displaying his care and his concern for this young widow. In a time of spiritual and moral depravity, young widows would have been vulnerable. I probably don't need to say any more. And so out of gratitude, it says in verse 10, fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. "'What have I done to deserve such kindness?' she asked. "'Am I, I am only a foreigner?' "'Yes, I know,' Boaz replied. "'But I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law "'since the death of your husband. "'I've heard how you left your father and mother in your own land "'to live here among complete strangers. "'May the Lord, the God of Israel, "'under whose wing you have come to take refuge,' Reward you fully for what you have done. Doesn't the story just warm your heart? Just encourage you? The character that both Ruth and Boaz displayed, that Boaz would be so protective of Ruth, and that Ruth would be so humbled by the kindness that she receives from Boaz. And the Bible tells us Boaz further displays his kindness by instructing his foremen to make it easier for Ruth to glean the grain from the field. He said, leave handfuls on purpose for her. Pull it out of the, the shock and drop it on the ground for her. And so after a day of being in the field and Ruth is threshing out the grain, removing all the chaff and the weed seed, and she brings home her day's labor to Naomi. Now, let's face it, when it somebody makes your job easy for you, you can be pretty darn productive, right? You just have to put forth some effort, of course. But so you can imagine that Naomi's astonishment when, when all of a sudden Ruth is bringing home this massive amount of grain. Looking back at our Bibles with Ruth, chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, the scriptures tell us, where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your husband. That man is one of our closest relatives. He is one of our family redeemers. Now maybe your translation says kinsman redeemer. And if we were to look at Deuteronomy chapter 25, and I think it's verse 5, if you want to do that on your own time, we're not going to do it today. But if we were to look there, we would read about a Leverite marriage. And this marriage would have happened between a widow and her, either the brother or a close relative of her deceased husband. And the purpose of such a marriage was to carry on the dead man's family name and the inheritance. As closest kin would have had the first opportunity to buy the property of the, the deceased man and to marry his widow. Thus the widow would have been provided for and the family name and business or inheritance would have been redeemed. Of course it would have been a business because they would have been selling grain but it would have carried on through the family redeemer. And so when Naomi heard that it was her relative's field in which Ruth had gleaned and she told her of his kindness, Naomi guided Ruth in making the appropriate steps to discreetly communicate that she was interested in redeeming her late husband's inheritance through Boaz. You see, because when Naomi's husband passed away, the inheritance would have been passed down to Ruth's husband. Well, after Ruth communicates, yes, I'm open to marriage. I'm open to having my husband's inheritance redeemed. Boaz wastes no time in taking the steps to make that happen. The next morning, he heads directly to the town square The place where business and legal matters took place and he clears any obstacles that had been standing in a way and and that would have been that there was one closer than Boaz that would have had the first opportunity. And that man chose to decline when he learned that it would have incorporated more than just the property, he didn't want to jeopardize his own family inheritance and so he said, I'm going to pass, it's open to you Boaz. And so in Ruth chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, we hear Boaz's declaration. When he says, Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way, she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses day. And so Boaz did, and they did. Scripture tells us that Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. But the book of Ruth is more than just a happy ending. Because the key people in the book of Ruth experience the provisions of God and the providence of God. It demonstrates how awesome our God is. Naomi and Ruth were provided with food and protection. Sure, they had their parts to fulfill. They had things they needed to do. They were deeply devoted to one another and certainly to each other's well-being. For Naomi, it would be to unselfishly release her daughters-in-law, to move on with their lives. For Ruth, it was to be dedicated and caring for her mother-in-law, respecting her and her wisdom. It was said of Ruth that she better to Naomi than seven sons would have been. That's a pretty high compliment. She was willing to roll up her sleeves and do the manual labor, to work for food for Naomi and for herself. She certainly demonstrated a hard work ethic, integrity, humility, all qualities of godly character. And that would have been a rarity in the time of the judges. A time in that me first, anything goes society. And Boaz... Well, the author of our companion book puts it this way. He writes, Boaz had more than a cursory understanding of what the law said. He went to the right people in the right time and did the right thing. This was an ordinary story of ordinary people doing what it takes and doing what is right. All of the main characters are clever, simple, practical, hardworking folks. Salt-of-the-earth types who help others and keep their word. But the book of Ruth is more than just the good story of good people with a good ending set within a dark and depraved time of history. You see, in the end, the ladies of the town, the ones who probably were the ones who were asking the question at the beginning, can this be Naomi? They went on to say the following of Naomi, recorded for us in verse 14 of the fourth chapter. Praise the Lord, who has now provided a Redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. God had provided for a Redeemer for their inheritance. The son was named Obed. And the Bible says that he became the father of Jesse, and the grandfather of David, King David. Naomi and Ruth experienced provision and providence of a family redeemer, having one in Boaz who was willing to buy their land and enter into the covenant marriage that would provide for their inheritance. But the big picture of God's plan of redemption was far greater. Unknown to Ruth and Boaz, their lives were part of God's plan for the birth of the one who would offer redemption to all of humanity. Yes, their baby was named Obed, father of Jesse, grandfather of David, who are all in the ancestral line of Christ, the promised Messiah, the Redeemer. The book of Ruth is a story of God's provision, his providence, and his redemption. Now you've heard me say providence a number of times this morning. Maybe you wonder, well, what exactly is providence? It's not a word we use frequently today. And so I want to give you a theological view, of the word in light of who God is. It says providence is the mean by which God directs all things. Both animate and inanimate, seen and unseen, good and evil, purpose, which means His will must finally prevail. In other words, not only does God supply all things, He arranges them according to His plan for His glory. As God unfolded each step. Of the way in Naomi and Ruth and Boaz's life. Right place at the right time in the right family. It didn't discount that they had an active role. Yes, character counts more than circumstance. We can't control our circumstances, but we can control our character. And our character will be tested In times like this. In times that are trying as Naomi and Ruth faced. Times when we have a tendency to wonder how can this all possibly fit into God's plan. When we don't have the ability to see God's larger purposes. I think it's a good idea to hang on to this promise given to us in Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And we know that God causes everything everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Everything. God makes everything work according to his plan. That's assurance to us that God is running the universe today. Even though there are some who think it has slipped out from under him, we can be assured that our God is still in control. He is still sovereign. His plan is still unfolding. We can trust and rest in knowing these three things. One, God is a provisional God, supplying our needs. Even though this often necessitates us doing something, God is our source. He supplies our every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God is a provisional God. God is also a a provincial, provincial God. I can't even say it. He is the God of providence. Using situations and things, bad and good, large and small, ordinary and extraordinary, the everyday things, and the miracles. Doors opened and doors closed. He uses these situations and things, and he uses it all for his big plan, for our benefit and for his glory. Thirdly, God is a redeeming God. When all seems hopeless, there is hope, and hope has a name. Jesus Christ, through even though he is certainly God, came to earth as a man to save us. By his death on the cross, he has redeemed us from sin, from hopelessness, and thereby purchased us to be his own. Our eternal inheritance is guaranteed when we believe and become God. We are sealed our inheritance is sealed with the Holy Spirit. And since we are his children, we are also heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share his glory, Scripture says, we must also share his suffering. But in times of suffering, we can find rest under whose wings we have come to take refuge, just like Ruth did. And I think it's encouraging for us because sometimes we, we think there's only certain people that can come to know God. And God is showing us here at the time when he had his chosen nation, which he still does, has his chosen nation. They were very prevalent. They were to be the witness to the world. God used a foreigner and welcomed her into the family. Because she believed. She believed God. And she should give us hope. No matter where we come from, what country, no matter what socioeconomical uh, ranking we may view ourselves in, whether we come from a churched family, an unchurched family, whether we're a man or whether we're a woman, all are welcomed into the family of God and are accepted when we believe. He will supply for our every need. We can trust him in spite of current troubles. His plan is being worked out for our good and for his glory. So if or when you're going through a difficult time, it's okay to acknowledge that it's difficult. God doesn't expect us to put on rose-colored glasses When we become a follower of His, life happens. There are difficult times. But when those times come, not only should we go ahead and acknowledge it's a difficult time, we should also ask God so what's next? What's next? Because as followers of Jesus, we can also say with confidence, I love you, God. And I'm called according to your purposes. So I know that you're working in every current situation. And you're going to work in every future situation just as you worked in every past situation. Take care for my good. I'm going to take refuge in you and find rest. your body with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, that even in difficult seasons in our lives, you are real. You are a good and gracious God that you work and move in our lives just as you work and move, moved in in Ruth and Naomi and Boaz's life. Lord, to bring good things from difficult situations. So God, we thank you for that. But Lord, there may be some here today, Lord, that are in a difficult season right now. And Lord, they need to know that these promises are just as true today as they were when they were written in the scrolls. And so maybe you are here today And maybe it's a difficult season for you. Maybe you're wondering, God, what's next? What good can you bring from my situation? If that's you this morning, I just encourage you to just raise your hand. Just an acknowledgement of you saying to God, God, I don't know what's next. Help me to hang on to your promises. Help me to hang on to your truth about what you say in your word about me. Help me to hang on and know that even if I can't see it right now, you're working it together for my good. God, we thank you. And Lord, I also recognize that there may be someone here today that does not have an inheritance with you yet. They haven't received you as Savior. They are not yet a child of God lord would you speak to those hearts would you help them to know that you love them enough that you died for them before they got all cleaned up before their lives were all in order you died for them may they know your great love this morning and maybe that's you this morning maybe this is the first time that you realized you haven't made that decision. You don't have that time where you can say, I received Christ as Savior that day. You don't have that time. Maybe you've come to church all your life. Maybe this is your first time of being here. If that's you, you don't have that relationship with Jesus yet, but you want that because you know that that means you have an internal inheritance eternal life with Christ, if that's you this morning, just encourage you to raise your hand as an acknowledgement that you want that eternal inheritance. Thank you. Thank you. God, you are amazing. You are so faithful to us. And so Lord, help us to live this life out with eyes of faith knowing that you're working all things together for our good for those who are called according to your purposes for those who love you you're working all things together for our good and may you receive the glory lord in jesus name amen amen god bless you